Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Percy Jackson and the Olympians streaming exclusively on Disney Plus. I think it's exclusively. I just made that up. Um, this <laughs> is episode four. I plunged to my death and very short one. We briefly talked about it off pod, but I'm sure we'll maybe get into it more as we talk about this episode. But just Bingetown housekeeping, I guess, before we get into the actual fun stuff is just that if you found us on the Percy Jackson specific feed, so Percy Jackson Olympians, a Bingetown TV podcast, this is just a heads up that Bingetown TV is more than just Percy Jackson. Um, we cover a lot of TV shows. We have covered a lot of TV shows as well. Currently doing what Reacher season two. We have uh, Jujutsu Kaisen just wrapped up. Yu Hakusho on Netflix. We have much more coming down the pike in 2024. We've been doing this for like three-ish years now. More, potentially. I guess we're coming in on four, so it's three and a half years. So we just have a bunch of content out there. If you're interested and you like us, it's not just the two of us. There's seven of us. So there's five additional voices that you can hear and fall in love with. Easiest place to get all of our content, bingetowntv.com. Okay. Percy Jackson, episode four. Luke, your turn to talk. Um, okay. So this is the halfway point, if I'm not, if I'm not wrong about that. And I just think that it's crazy in 2024. Wow. I almost said 2023 in 2024, when it takes almost two years to make a show, especially high quality CGI driven, uh, streaming shows like this. And they put out a 30 minute episode. I really think that that is a turnoff and I'm starting to feel the effects of this shortened runtime because we brought this up on episode one. Episode one itself was very short as well. That was like 35 minutes. I'm starting to feel pacing issues. I don't know if you are as well. And this is our first time really talking about this. So tell me if like you even caught any wind of like what I'm talking about now. But I think what's happening is that they're starting to hit like this cyclical pattern that's very predictable of just CGI is carrying huge parts of these episodes and then like a, a very obvious from an audience perspective pr problem pops up. They take a second to figure it out and then Percy or Annabeth or Grover kills the monster and it feels like we've rinsed and repeats this four times and now we're getting to the point where I want more from the story besides incredible CGI and I do mean incredible CGI. I'm still all on yeah. Or that the Camara looked amazing and all that, but now it just feels like I don't know. I don't. I feel like I didn't learn much this episode, and I really felt the thirty-three minutes. I want more breathing time for the prophecy conversations and like that voice that keeps him infiltrating Percy's dream and even God's. Like we're just kind of getting these monsters along the way, and the thing that's both frustrating me and they had a good nod to it in this episode where Percy kind of meta acknowledged something that was so obviously out of place, but then they go ahead and five minutes later and they just like let the mother of monsters walk up without like even like suspicion. So I don't know. It's still great. Like I'm still at least at a solid seven or eight out of 10, but my excitement that was really carrying me through the first three episodes is starting to be like, I don't know how like characterize these like Percy, Annabeth and Grover are. And like, I really want more from the world building side than just cool monsters. Percy overcomes a problem, but this was the shortest episode, so this was going to be the easiest one to pick apart. And we are gearing up for the sprint into the finale of book one, season one. And I know a lot of the best parts of the season are yet to come. But right now, I would say like episode four got me the least excited to talk about this show out of any of them. And it could be fatigue from what I've been mentioning. But where are you at with everything I just kind of mentioned there? Yeah, I think when you 
try to compare it to the other three episodes. I feel like each one felt like it grabbed me more. Mm-hmm. I was much more interested in the conflict and, and everything that was happening. I mean, just thinking about episode one, like you brought it up in terms of runtime. I mean, I feel like people had pacing issues with almost the opposite where like it's moving too fast and it was like bang, bang. And it was like emotional and it was heavy mm-hmm. and the action was cool. And yeah, I don't know. I guess here it just is kind of, I don't know. We're kind of moving from things and like you're saying, not letting them completely breathe. It's kind of tough because I feel like I see how the ending of this episode is a natural endpoint to an episode. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what can we do? to fill in like the extra, I guess the quote unquote extra space that we think there could be. Cause like you said, it's only 30 minutes. Usually get an episode season. It's like, you know, you get our episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's reflected in like the cost of it. I don't know how much this show costs to make, but it's kind of crazy to look at. Like if you look at per episode figures and if it's like in like the eight ish million range and it's only producing 30 minutes of content is pretty mm-hmm. crazy to think about. But yeah, I don't know. I just kind of feel like the I, I just kind of, I don't want to say I just got through this episode, but this episode feels like it just kind of happened. I like the it's, introduction of like the temples thing. Yep, and definitely. That's what I want bit, more of. Yeah, like we get a Greek little bit more world information. Building. Yeah, and Percy, I think, is more like explicit about his, or rather his beliefs about the gods are growing into more like, like an articulate manner. Versus yeah. like him just kind of being like a general frustration, like he's putting words to frustration and and that's working. And we got good background, I thought, on the um on the searchers with the satyrs and like his uncle Ferdinand and that stuff's cool. But mm-hmm. yeah, it just kind of I don't know. This episode does feel like it just happened. If you're gonna do this monster of the week thing every week, like let them have their own unique portrayals like medusa was getting there but we didn't get nearly enough time with her and they just kind of cut her the the minotaur same thing like that was a really sick looking minotaur that one i can forgive that's the first monster that we ever really see but then the chimera it's like this is just a copy and paste of the of the furies like i don't feel like there's anything differentiating these surface level monsters Uh, that's why i'm saying it's not really justified having these small run times because we could be flushing these guys out making us care a little bit more having the monsters give us more world world building that i'm craving but i think we're gonna get there especially when we start seeing more gods like that's the point we're still in the the setup phase but i'm starting to feel the setup phase like fatigue yeah it's tough too because this felt like an episode where i was really noticing my lack of of book knowledge carryover from when I was a young man, because mm-hmm. obviously I know like they're going to go to St. Louis. They're going to go to the arch. The arch is, you know, the Athena's temple disguise type thing. I know mm-hmm. that he was going to fall and the water catches him, all that kind of stuff. But but when I was thinking, especially when you were just asking, too, of of how this episode could have been longer. And I just I guess I just like don't really know for sure beyond what you're saying. Yeah. Of like filling in these gaps of of world building and maybe letting moments breathe. I don't really, yeah, I don't know. Maybe adding additional parts to the chase. Like, did we have to cut right to the arch? You know, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm not just and not really sure. this character, uh, God, forgive my, my pronunciation. Yeah, I'm looking at the spelling of Echnita? it. Echnita? Like, <laughs> That's how it's spelled, but. Yeah. She's such a cool concept. And I was like going down the rabbit hole a little bit. And like, she is the mother of monsters in a lot of iterations. Like she is supposed to be, not in every single form of Greek mythology, but I believe she's supposed to be the the mother of like the Sphinx 
the Cerberus, Hydras, even Gorgons, who that's what uh, Medusa is, like in, in some cases. So that seems like such an epic and important title in this world. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't ever see her again. You know what yeah, I mean? Did you, when you looked, who are her parents? Do you know? Oh, um, I think I might actually still have it up. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't want to like put you on the spot necessarily, but I was just curious only because I really liked that line where she was like, "Like your great grandmother's my grandmother. This has always been a family story." I just, it's, I think that perspective is just interesting to be reminded of when you're thinking of it because they're all like related in some very long convoluted way, which is just funny. Um, it's it's different. It seems yeah. like in different iterations. Like sometimes she is the daughter of the god of the god of um river sticks, ocean. Okay. I don't know. I can't even pronounce that. So yeah, like it, it seems like it's not always super consistent. She seems like more of a flex character. You can kind of have your own spin. Sometimes she's the direct daughter of Gaia and like uh Arteris, like embodied. I don't know. So it, it doesn't seem like super consistent, but it's a really cool idea. Like the mother, the, what, what births some of the most important Greek mythology characters. And I, I just feel like it was like a check that they just hit. And now we're moving on. That's a good point. Yeah. I thought the, the chimera was well done, but again, it's mm -hmm. probably going to be a thing. That'll be the first and only time we see it. Yeah, and probably. And yeah, it's fine. Like, I, I just feel like if this happens again in episode five, my tone's going to start turning even more negative and I don't want it to come off like that because I'm yeah. still really enjoying the show. And Gotta get to the, the reason it, this part's important for this specific podcast, because there's not a lot of content for this episode. So just getting opinions and giving us a chance to kind of expand on the halfway point. That's what I'm really doing here. I don't really mean to see like i'm nitpicking just because like i'm still kind of absorbing and deciding for myself like is this in hindsight going to be fine like this was just a step along the way to get to the end of season one or is this going to be the template for what we get for the rest of the season and then it starts to be like okay this really maybe maybe this show isn't what i thought it was going to be yeah i think i i think i agree with you there yeah i think you that's a good way to to word the way that i'm also feeling i will say i mean the beginning of this episode I thought was really good. I, I just enjoy the Annabeth and Percy character moments. They mm -hmm. have a really nice conversation after Percy comes out of that dream where he kind of has the memories in the pool with his mom. They have the dream where we get the she's coming, which ends up obviously being this mother of monsters. I'm, and I don't mean to start like this to, as in we're going to go through scene by scene, but I just want to talk about the conversation they have in the train car. Mm -hmm. And just because I brought it up a little earlier, Percy is just you know, really verbalizing his thoughts about what he's learning about the gods and how they do things. And he's just basically of the opinion, like, it doesn't really make any sense why I have to make like an offering or do feats for attention because people who are close to you aren't supposed to treat you that way. And Annabeth has a maybe the exact opposite perception of that. We get more information about her backstory, which I think is just good for her and, and Percy's characters kind of coming together and, and understanding each other more. Yeah, it's like a clash of the old ways and and somebody that is just being thrown into this world. So it is good to see because mm -hmm. he Walker crushes all of those conversations. Yes, and um, I did take a bunch of notes on any time he does have like some of those moments. So we'll hit those. But yeah, I agree. I I really like the like the the character work they were trying to do right in the beginning, but wish it was a little bit more. But like more screen time. Yeah, just was something that I had kind of forgotten from both. I guess knowledge of Greek mythology and the story itself, but. Annabeth's father and Athena never actually banged. She just is yeah. born out of her own thoughts, which is just an interesting, funny concept to think about. So Athena <laughs> but, was born, right? Yeah, yeah, that's actually a good point. So there yeah. you go. 
And that's just funny. <laughs> I'm just trying to think like, I'm sure there wasn't a conversation beforehand knowing the way that the gods seem to operate, but it's just funny to think like he ran into Athena and then just like Athena was like, okay, now you're a single dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay, thank you. <laughs> like on one hand, yeah, this is like an amazing gift. But on the other hand, it's like, I don't really ask for this. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> like I maybe, you know, we start with like an Apple watch or something. And then we move on to like this life that I need to care for. But that's do we know who's um, cast as Athena? No, I, I mean, I do not. Okay, because I have been avoiding looking up things because I know there's like plain, hide in plain sight plot points that'll be fun if we don't know. Yeah. It might I, be obvious at points, but I'm very curious to see who is cast as Athena because that's a really hard god to portray, just like the the mother of wisdom and, and Annabeth's mom. Like this, it's going to be going to be a big character. Yeah, I, I only know. That Edge is playing Ares, I think. I think that's the only one I know. <laughs> so great. <laughs> I was never going to forget that one. Once yeah, of I course read not. It. Yeah. All right. So I guess trying to keep us more high level moving through things, and then we'll pick out little parts that we like. We're on the train now, kind of the next day. We have a nice kind of conversation. Maybe not a nice conversation, but we have an additional conversation of this world building stuff. We see the kind of centaurs out the window. We learn that the god Pan has disappeared and the balance of nature is being unbalanced for lack mm -hmm. of a better term because of humans and all that kind of stuff and we have the satyrs who we know have this really big connection to nature are trying to search for pan and then we just immediately start to get into our conflict which is the mother of monsters is what i'm going to call her because i'm just hesitant to even pronounce the name but she kind of gets involved with the police and i thought it was funny because like you said there's the meta moment where he's like okay like we're just kind of waiting for one, like the police officer to turn into a monster and then we get busy mm -hmm. and they kind of flip it on the head but at, up until this point i'm like okay like i'm still kind of into the formula and then afterwards i think i'm feeling how you were feeling of like okay rinse repeated it's it's just weird like the tent not the tension but maybe it is like the atmosphere that they build with the monsters that have intelligence and i'm i'm pointing that out meaning like not minotaurs like things that have intelligence like electo did the fury and then like the mother of monsters they just feel like the same character don't they like the way they talk the way they yeah, act it just feels like they're like looking at you and i get i i really i wrote down like the it was a great line by percy sussing out are the police evil like they're, they're just going to turn into something right but then this person walks up and nobody does anything for like a little bit. I don't know. At that point, I'm just like, you should just anytime anybody interacts with you, it's it's evil. Like we're fucking fighting whatever <laughs> yeah, that let's is. Get like, just don't talk out. to let's me. Get it popping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And she and she she rolls up with like her bag that has like the hidden chimera in there, which was cool. You know, we knew it was going the second that she yeah. walks up to them. Yeah. And I mean it is again, like I'm saying, I I don't remember word for word from the books, but it is pretty much like you're saying it's the copy and paste of what happened on the bus with Electo. Yeah, exactly. They're on a form of transportation. She's also on the form of transportation. Mm -hmm. There's a conversation where she builds up to the fact that she's evil. She, yeah, it kind of, meh, yeah, I, I see. A more, here, here's a more interesting talking point is, did she clarify who sent her or is she simply just looking for the, the master bolt? through Percy, just like everybody is. Because the reason I bring that up is because the Furies were very explicitly set, um, told to us as being agents of Hades. I don't know if she's connected to Hades. It would almost be more interesting if she was not, because then she's like her own little entity, like doing yeah. her own thing, just like Medusa kind of was, where she has her own agenda. I like, I, I like that rather than there just be underling after underling just to say that they put in Greek mythology. 
Yeah, that's why I asked if you had read who her parents were. She does kind of say like you're kind of paying for your parents' mistakes Mm -hmm. in this sense, but that's, I think, still too vague to maybe suss out an exact reasoning. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it could still mean the Master Bolt quest. Yeah, she could be for anybody. I don't know, yeah. but I do love the the random accolade that they gave her as like the demigod killer. Mm. So cool. I just yeah. take that as most demigods in like modern time have died in one way or another indirectly from either her or some of her children like the monsters exactly which is like a really cool idea that that puts a little bit more weight than just a random fury that gets taken out by an annabeth knife so in that line of thinking there's a chance that she is there if not in the next episode like as a reoccurring person later down the line which i would like that wouldn't that would justify of having done this and making it not super unique because she's going to be a reoccurring character i don't know if she will be this is just total guesses because like you i kind of forget her importance in this especially for book one yeah. or season I mean, one it still is though like you're saying with the electo comparison in a way like she just kind of does the slow walk and it's kind of tough maybe to show us it's not like we have like a an expendable demigod on hand to, right for her to for her to demonstrate with and even with electo like we know that electo was involved in in talia's transformation i guess let's say not death and but even that's still like a, a, sh- a telling us versus showing us. So they don't really feel like they have the weight as much as they could. So I agree. Yeah. With that. Although one thing and- I mean, one thing I loved about this is the the mist version of the chimera is the little mm-hmm. dog. Th- yeah, so yeah, that yeah. was really funny. Oh, and, the, and then <laughs> the mist like of um, kind of felt like the Hogwarts Express that when they were sitting out there mm-hmm. just looking outside the mist covering yeah. all the centaurs that, that led to that pan conversation, which I thought was cool because it puts some effort forward to explain why in modern day there's less Greek mythology, even through the mist. Like that's just cool. That's natural of what like compared to the ancient world of like when Greek mythology was running rampant and stuff. So yeah. it's cool that they put that in there. That might come back. I don't really know, yeah. but that it seems like, like pan's very connected to Grover and Satyrs. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. This might not be the best way to say it, but almost like throwing Grover's character and storyline a bone. Or mm-hmm. like oh, there's also this part of it. Only thing we really get from him this episode is that he's grumpy when he doesn't get enough sleep. <laughs> And that's kind of yeah, it. Sure. So I guess it's just a way to maybe build him out a little bit more. Um, yeah. So he doesn't really have much in this episode after that, does he? No. It's more Annabeth and Percy having like their yeah. one-on-one conversations. But yeah, I, I mean, I could take the arch. Thing. Yeah. And then it's unless you want to talk about anything else before that. No, I mean, it's just like the chase starts and they decide real quick they need to jump off the the train and they end up in St. Louis where <laughs> the arch is. And, that's, and we then go on to find out that Athena's temple is hidden in plain sight and she honors uh, like perfection and mathematics and like beauty in that way. So it just makes sense that this arch is going to be a temple where they're going to attempt to ask for her help, Athena's help. Yeah. Never really works out for demigods, but we'll see what happens here is like the whole mindset and they go in. And one of my favorite things is how the uh, temple of a God is protected against evil or um, 
or just monsters in general without their blessing. And that's what we have here, right? Like we have the protection. It's all good. Everything's fine. But we didn't mention too that that Percy did get poked with the poison and then that mm-hmm. kicks in. So all this causes them to leave the safety and yeah. then they see the mother There's of monsters coming. <laughs> yeah, I I thought it was going to work. I was like, hey, this is water. That's healing. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Percy and Annabeth are driving the character development in the show mm-hmm. so far. They have another in good conversation here where Percy admits that maybe not admits outwardly, but it seems like there's a little bit bit of a jealousy aspect here a little bit when he says your thing with your mom is different and it works. Like, I don't want anything from my dad type of deal. And and she has a little cheeky line where she's like, oh, like you're almost calling me a friend because he admits like you've honestly done more for me than my dad ever has, mm-hmm. which gets flipped on his head, obviously, at the end. And I'm sure we'll move into this perspective of, of Percy has kind of been somewhat not necessarily oblivious of the ways that his dad has been helping, but it might become more outward of his relationship with his dad, which is obviously a very good progression for his character. Mm-hmm. And then- the seeds are getting planted too for uh, Annabeth having a crush on Percy or vice versa. Like it just mm-hmm. seems like they're starting to connect a little bit. And Annabeth is a hard person to, you know, get close to. And they even went and said that earlier where um, mm-hmm. like Luke accepted her right away, but Talia didn't like she needed to, mm-hmm get more acclimated with her and annabeth is a little bit cold but by design that's just her type of personality and like in this type of world you can't really be trusting but you could see the cracks there with her and percy specifically not not so much as grover because i think he was dealing with the tickets at this point but you're starting to see it you're starting to see the relationship build (laughs) yeah i forgot that he just is off doing that while they have this conversation well he was pissed because he gets so mad anytime he sees like hunting or anything like to do with animals and he saw that in the temple like the the human museum part of the temple so yeah i get it that's that's got to be a huge part of his character if you're going to drop pan and like the satyr connection and the dryad from like episode two like all that stuff has to be important to his character otherwise we don't really have anything to talk about for grover a big linchpin of of the conflict here maybe a catalyst is potentially the better word is the end of last episode which we laughed about i still think it's funny that percy sends the head to Mount mm-hmm. Olympus, we have Hermes in the end of last episode deliver it, and it comes right back, which I think is good. We get the yeah. immediate impact of that decision, and turns out Annabeth and Grover were probably right in that <laughs> it was not the best idea because we essentially learn here that Athena is pissed at Annabeth, and her impertinence has wounded her mother's pride, so she's being punished at this point by Athena allowing the mother of monsters and the Chimera to come into the, the sanctuary and the temple. And the option for them is to go up. And they got in that little elevator. And I was like, I would be freaking the fuck out if I was in that elevator. Even outside (laughs) of the fact that this monster is chasing me, like just being that cramped and going up to the top of the arch. Me personally, I'd be sweating bullets. I thought you would be saying the same thing about once you're at the top, you're in that little hallway. Like that is just that creeps me out. It's like everybody jump one, two, three, jump and see what happens. But no, (laughs) I'm not good Uh, enough at math. So I think trust the math. (laughs) <laughs> that's you perfect know? though otherwise yeah, Athena wouldn't accept it, right? no. <laughs> but uh last thing i'll say before we can just move on to that whole climax at the end at the mm-hmm. top that is like a very evil thing and and spiteful thing for athena to do is just to really lift up the the protection for her daughter to get a little slap on the wrist when chances are the demigod killer is going to murder all three yeah, of yeah. like i'm yeah, sitting there like holy shit like because eventually annabeth hopefully gets to talk to athena it's like this has got to be the first thing you bring up. Like, what the hell was that shit? Like, you're going to let me yeah. die just because, you know, 
Percy sent you guys something. I don't know, but I, I do. I really enjoy the repercussions of the Medusa head happening right away. I wonder if that's it. Like, are we ever going to have Medusa mentioned again? Or is her head ever going to come back into play in a relevant way? Or was it just like all vehicle to get to this point? And either way, it's fine. I just, I love Medusa as a concept and I just felt like she left too early. So I would enjoy somehow them bringing it back, but it seems like maybe the payoff's already here. Yeah, I think anything additional storytelling wise is probably just gravy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's I, I mean, it's the start of I think you know the gods being acclimated. I guess you could say or introduced to Percy's mm-hmm. personality <laughs> because his, he is yeah. a little motherfucker. <laughs> just enters the scene. Yeah, this is him being placed on the board, and now they know. Now they know what's yeah, up for sure. Yeah. And the Chimera was about to fucking take him right off the board, essentially, <laughs> because he tries here. He tries to pull the heroic... I guess he technically does pull the heroic move where he forces Annabeth. And, I loved it. Yeah, he forces Annabeth and Grover outside of the kind of emergency door. He In his head, he's like, I'm literally going to die anyway. So there's mm-hmm. literally no point in you guys dying. Tries to go toe-to-toe with the Chimera. Does not work in the same way that he went toe-to-toe with Clarice in mm-hmm. that episode two. And... Dude, <laughs> I, I thought the way they shot it was perfect in the POV of like falling. And I thought that was a really smart, I guess, cinematography choice. If that's mm-hmm. the right term to use. My biggest shock was the second they're going to split up and Annabeth's going to sacrifice herself. And Percy goes to offer her the pen sword. I was like, what? Yeah. No fucking way. <laughs> and then I was like, dude, this smooth criminal. Cause that was so nice. Like the way he just like flips her around and locks the door. And then yeah, like the Chimera, like that lion looking Colorful yeah. reptile like the, like, face, yeah, was like just the cobra so head, like cool. slowly came yeah, out. Yeah, 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 that looked cool as hell. And it has, um, we saw the tail earlier. It didn't use it much here, but that's like an iconic part of the Camaro that was fl- shooting out of the the bag, which was cool. Um, she's just overpowered as fuck though. Like she just goes like that, snaps, and like a hole blows up in the middle of the yeah of the arch. Why, I, I mean, not to play all nitpick know. level but like why yeah. did she just do that right under his feet just like yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't know also the chimera totally would have burned him alive just like oh yeah least. when he was flipping. it stopped with it yeah with a, a human width <laughs> from the other edge it's just maybe funny. he maybe he oozes tension. water energy yeah. from the side okay. and just blocked Fair. it i'm taking yeah. that cannon head cannon <laughs> yeah so what we don't need to head cannon is how he survives which we anticipated because we've read the books but the I guess you could say tornado of water comes out mm-hmm. of the Mississippi River. That's is what it? that is, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the? Oh God, I don't want to sound so dumb, but is it not the Missouri? Right? St. Louis is in Missouri for sure. For sure. Isn't there so a Missouri would... River? Now I yeah, just feel like no, I'm an there's idiot. Totally, there's totally a Missouri River. <laughs> That's totally a thing. So let I mean, me. Chances just, are, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See what's see what's one of them M's. It's one of them M's. It is the Mississippi River. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because the Gateway Arch is across the Mississippi River from oh the DraftKings uh, Queens Casino. Nice. So yeah, I mean, I'll talk about that scene too because. I thought it was well shot, like him falling. You saw it from his perspective. That was like, that was pretty cool to see. And I was pretty ha- hyped when, when he's upside down, gets saved. And then he starts talking to the water nymph or the sea nymph. They're called Nereids. Oh God. I don't know about that one too, but yeah, that's just the theme of this, of the, this podcast. <laughs> so we don't know how to pronounce shit because Poseidon still isn't 
like directly involved, but he's still not at the point where he's going to like appear in front of Percy and talk to him. So he's using some of his underlings to help save his son here. And that's what happens. And we finally get an upgrade here and he can now breathe underwater, which that's awesome. Yeah. And it's a nice closed loop from the start where we have the Mm -hmm. flashback memory of him in the pool with his mom. And she apparently has always told him just breathe. He flips on her there and then, Side and that tricky bastard pulls it here. So that was a nice closed loop for this episode for sure. Yeah. I mean, script wise, that's, I mean, that's well done. The kid I thought looked like Walker too. Yeah. Like the yeah, younger kid. Walker, that was a good person. Good. Yeah. Yeah. He's he good. was he's still, good. he has that little cheeky nature still. It's just kind of funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder how that audition Good was. to see okay. Percy's mom as well. Yes. Yeah. Sally Jackson. Shout out to Sally Jackson. So, how the fuck have we done the episode already? That was insane. That's how it worked. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, now that we're just halfway through the season, I guess last thing we'll do before we kind of sign off, um, I want two things for you. And this is going to be hard to put you on the spot. Just as a whole, the first half of the season, first four episodes, gut reaction of one to 10 where you're at. And then also, if you can remember the ordering of how you would rank the four episodes. Okay. Yeah. That's, I think. Seven seems reasonable. If we're going to use like the full one to 10, I think seven feels reasonable. I think it's it's a little yeah. bit above average. I think that's part of that is built totally off of my personal bias and, and interest in the series itself. But also I think, you know, Walker's really good at the acting. The CGI is, inc- you know, is fantastic. There's been some great moments. So I think seven is good. I think there's room for it to increase. But like you said, I think there's also obviously room for it to decrease. Mm-hmm. I think episode wise, I want to say that I ranked them in the order they came out. I think it goes one, two, three, four for me. Okay. So we're pretty similar. Best for both. To, to least favorite. Yeah. 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 We're, we're very similar in both. I, I'm surprised. I thought you would have. The only in terms of ranking the episodes, I have two and one switched. I liked the the Camp Half Blood stuff a little yeah. bit more than like the yeah. quicker intro setup. But we did that in one podcast. It really felt more of like a part one, part two for us at least. Great point, so yeah. I, I feel like I agree on the ranking of the episodes. But um, I was going back and forth with Meryl on um Discord, and she also agrees that episode four is probably the weakest and it's because of the repetitiveness i don't think it's like a bad episode in a vacuum i think it's more about what we were saying at the top so i'm fine with all that um still very hype and i'm also sitting at a seven out of ten which i feel guilty saying but that's a that's still a good tv it maybe not be it's not game of thrones it's it's not dark yeah but it's not it's not bad like it's seven out of ten that's like where we're at with like yellow jacket some of my other favorite things we've watched recently Mm I just had expectations where this was potentially going to be a nine out of 10. And right now we're, yeah. we're looking like we're going to hit like a seven out of 10. It's also tough. And that seven out of 10 is not like, if you're using the whole one to 10, that's very good. Yeah, I agree. If, if and, a five is average, you know, seven right. is, that's good. So, and there's room to grow. We got half, a, we got half a season left. And like you said earlier in this episode, we know that most of the best parts of this story are still yet to come mm-hmm. in this season. So that'll be the true judge. Jesus. Oh, the That'll last two episodes are going to be so good. I just am so confident that the last two are going to be great. And then we're going to see the edge at some point. That's going to be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be great. Okay. And we'll be here for it. One episode per episode. I, you know, it's funny. Just realized today they come out on Tuesdays and not Wednesdays. I thought they came out on Wednesdays. No, they no. Out on Tuesdays. Yeah, Christmas threw us off a little bit. Yeah, like the first We're drop. That's what kind of groove. Still getting <laughs> groove of 2024. So that's going to wrap up episode four 
of season one of Percy Jackson, the Olympian streaming exclusively on Disney plus. Like I literally just said, we'll be back, I guess next week with episode five, whatever they decide to call that. I haven't looked it up and yeah, we're just going to keep rolling on in this season. We're covering some other shows. Like I mentioned, it feels weird to say it again because it was maybe 25 minutes ago, but <laughs> we're, we just finished JJK. We're, we're doing Reacher on Amazon. We are doing Yu Show on Netflix. Do you know anything else that's coming up? Not to just put you on the spot, but... Invincible um, Season 2 oh, Part yeah. 2 should be coming. I don't I don't know specifically when, but I know that's early yeah. 2024. True That'll Detectives be soon. coming out soon, I think. True Detective. Early 2024. So we got things on the horizon. So you're going to stick around for Percy Jackson, and then we're not going to dump you into a wasteland like a neglectful godparent. We're going to nurture <laughs> you into another Bingetown TV show. So... Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thank you for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.